This is True Crime, one-on-one -on -one from the Fedora Chronicles. I'm Eric Renderking-Fisk. On this episode, I interview Jenny Carreri from Justice for Jody. What began as a quest to find out who killed her twin sister, Jenny discovers so much more, including a corrupt police department, incompetent crime scene investigators, and a code of silence. During her crusade to find her sister's killer, she also meets other victims' families and pieces together a disturbing picture of how fractured our justice system has become. From the website, Jody Locarno was a 23-year-old college student when she was murdered in Baltimore. Her killer shot her, execution style, using a 38 caliber handgun. The bullet tore through her back and into her spine in the early morning hours of March 2nd, 1996. Her killer watched and waited as she died defenseless and alone. He is still out there. For over two decades, this person, who took the life of a beautiful, kind young woman, has gotten away with murder. Someone, somewhere, knows something. Once again, here's Jenny Carreri. Thank you for listening. Well, just so my listeners know, um, I'm talking yeah. to, I want to make sure that I have your name pronounced right. Jenny It's Well, my maiden name is LaCornu, and then my married name is Carreri. Um, Jenny is on, is the, is the word crusade a proper word for what you're going I through? I like that. Je I like that. Yes. Jenny is going through and she's doing the, she's doing the work of the angels. Um, oh, and, cool. and she's doing something because one of the reasons why I wanted to start the series true crime one-on-one -on -one is that I could actually talk to people who are actually like sort of like crime fighters or crime solvers. Um, Jenny lost her sister more than 20 years ago. Has it been that long? Yes. So March 2nd, 1996 was when she was shot and she was my identical twin. We were two minutes apart. Did your parents ever tell you, I know that this is a funny question, uh, especially in light of what's going on. Did your parents ever tell you which one was the older one, even though you're two minutes apart? You mean remind us of it or just in general? Yeah, I mean, they told us. Yeah, I mean, she was definitely, I felt she was my older sister, even, you know, even though it was just two minutes apart. But sure. I definitely was more the shy one and she was the outgoing one and um was definitely more confident, comfortable with her around. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. It does. I mean, it just yeah. be just because you're twins. Because um, in college, when I went back to college, when I was about forty-five, back, back in yeah, a couple of years ago. Let's just leave it at a couple of years ago. When I went when I went back to college, um, I had two professors who were identical sisters and oh, wow. and even though that they i mean the two identical twin sisters who were also professors in graphic design and they were very similar they also had very distinct personalities um one the one professor was very um out, uh, very outgoing, very funny, and the other one was very strict, very down to business, and yet they they b mm. both like to laugh and make and make jokes, especially at their students, <clears throat> their older students' expense. 
Um, but I, I, I understand that, that even though you're identical twins, you had um, different personalities. Um, but I also, I also want to know more about you and what it was like for you growing up in the household with your twin sister and what kind of person you are. So, I mean, like I said, they, they, I, we had two older sisters. They were seven and nine years apart. And I was the, um, they call me Jenny the Wimp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was my, that was my nickname. And uh, it was, it was great. I mean, having your, your best friend around all the time. We were always together. My parents, they dressed us alike. And, um, you know, there was four girls. They were, since they were older, we weren't as close to them. But, Jody and I always had the same room, same classes, same friends. It's it almost like we were one because we were even referred to as the twins, the twins. You know, the twins are coming over. Um, so it was just wonderful, you know. I mean, like I said, we were always together. Um, rarely ever apart. I mean, we went sleepovers together we played sports together it was just you know it was wonderful having having her having being, being together all the time you know so for me I, I um like I said I I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much you want to get me to get involved into my life. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Well, I think uh, I, there's a lot that happened. I think that it's, it's important because one of the things that I have sort of discovered, not just doing this podcast, but actually talking to other people, whereas it's not just a statistic the, I mean, there are actual people. I mean, it's not just a news story that you see for five or 10 minutes and maybe it'll capture the imagination um, of, of a nation, you know, for a couple of years. And it's just, it's not just a news story. There are people involved. And what I've always thought that was sort of sad and tragic is that we, there's a family, there's, a group of people and friends that lost somebody important and special in their lives. And it, we, that sort of gets like lost in, in, in the storytelling, the actual person involved. Um, so, and the, and I, I would, it's difficult and by, and, and I can't say this enough. I mean, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, I mean, I have I have relatives and I have close friends, and I can't imagine something awful happening to 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 them and suffer what you have gone through. What what happened to Jody? What happened um, the night before you lost her, or the day before you lost her? Jody was living with her boyfriend in Baltimore. She. Had, she, she was living with him and go, taking classes in, at Towson University and working part-time. They had gotten into a fight. They'd been together. He was a lot older than her, but they'd been together about five years, and a lot of their relationship was drinking uh, a little too much, and she liked to go to the bar and be with her friends, and he wanted her to be home with him, and so that Thursday night, 
it was, I guess that would have been March, uh, well, it was the night before, it, it was, it was a Friday, I guess that would have been March 1st, they got into a fight because the Thursday night he told her, he got upset that she went to the bar and told her not to come home. My parents were in Annapolis, which was about 45 minutes away. And I was living, we had gotten separated. Both of us had, uh, how we ended up being separated because it wasn't by choice, but uh, initially we had got put, we had struggled with uh, alcohol and drugs when we were younger. Mm -hmm. Growing up, you know, when we were young, we had put my father in treatment and then Jody and I went down his path. And so we got into um, alcohol and drugs at a young age and ended up into treatment when we were 17. And so that's, that's actually the first time we were ever separated. And they separated us there in the treatment. And so when we were out of there, um, she ended up, we both ran away from the program. And um, I ran away early on, and then I got brought back. And then she ran away, but she was already 18, so my parents didn't you know, bring her back. So she ended up in Baltimore, and that's how she met her boyfriend and living there. And then I stayed longer in the treatment, and she started drinking again. And then I got sober, and she... So what happened was, you know, she met her boyfriend in the bar, and that was, like I said, a lot of the relationship, the drinking. And he um, got mad at her and told her not to come home that Friday morning. At that point she was working at a bank. And so she went to work and then went to the, that bar that she liked to go to the Mount Washington Tavern and spent the evening there. And I mean, just everything was really out of character for that night, for her that night. And she stayed there pretty much till the bar closed. She didn't, she went there with several of her friends and um, then when she left there, I mean, she would have, I mean, she was really afraid. She had a lot of anxiety. She would say she was afraid she was going to get shot in Baltimore. She was afraid of everything. And so she would have had a plan that night. She had lots of friends. She was very kind. Everybody loved her. She would not have just gone out into the night, like what happened that night. And so she left the bar and somebody there uh, asked her to take um, one of the employees home. He was the janitor um, and he he didn't really talk, like he couldn't talk very well and um, he, not that Jody wouldn't have done something like that. It was just odd because I know she didn't just that late at night to just to drive a guy home was odd. I mean, that was the first thing. And then apparently after she dropped him off, she stopped at a, a liquor store and bought a six pack of beer, almost mm -hmm. like maybe she was going to meet somebody. And then she went and sat in this parking lot, which was literally right across the street from her house. It was a, it's, it was called, it was a department store called Caldor and it was on the main road, York road, and so she sat there for a while and made a few phone calls in the parking lot, several back to the bar. She had this, back in the 90s, they had the bag phone. Right. And so, yeah, and my parents had got that for her. And she never, ever, ever would have sat in the dark parking lot by herself. And 
so witness so she made a call, like I said, back to the the bar, the Mount Washington Tavern, and once or twice she called there and then she called she had a girl that she had moved in with her and her boyfriend for a while who needed a place to live, somebody that she had waitressed with, and she called their place. Her this girl was living with her boyfriend at that time after she moved out of Jody's house and had did not talk to the girl but talked to the boyfriend and talk, had a two-and-a-half-minute conversation with him, which I think is a long time at that time of night. And, um, I mean, this is in the middle of the night now. This is right. after two. But, so at some point, witnesses thought it started to snow, and there was witnesses there. There was a total of six witnesses. There was a gas station parallel to where she was. The, the witnesses saw this African-American approach her vehicle in a white BMW, and they said that her window was rolled down and that there was some sort of conversation, but she was shot from behind. The bullet went through the back, and it, the bullet severed her spine, And but she was able to get drive out of the parking lot, Holy which wasn't a straight shot. She Holy had cow. Yeah, I don't, it's crazy. And that's what we've always said is how was she able to drive with a separate spine? But she was able to get out of the parking lot, drive across five lanes and go into another huge shopping center. And he followed her. And then at this shopping center was a huge grocery store called the Giant. So I don't know if they have that up there. No, no. And then there was a tire place and the Boston Market at the chicken place. And there were some workers there that were unloading the truck and they saw Jody come across and this vehicle, the white BMW follow her, but he stayed at the top, the entrance of the parking lot and Jody circled the lot and then she hit a curb. And I believe that's when she died. So he sat and watched her. And then once her car stopped, he pulled up next to her car. He drove up with people around. I mean, apparently the giant was 24 hours um, that there was, pe- you know, there was even people there. It was open, and they told us though the cameras were down in that parking lot that night. Uh, all, all the cameras all the, down. I'm sorry, all the cameras were down in the giant parking lot. Okay. Correct? Yeah. Okay. And so, um, so they said that this suspect turned her headlights off, put her car in park, reached over her, and took some items out of her car. And then slowly got back into his car, slowly drove out of there, took, I believe it was, took a right on York Road, uh, and then uh, then turned on Walker Avenue, which was right there. And uh, yeah, this happened almost 20, yeah, it would be 24 years on March 2nd. It was actually my parents' wedding anniversary. And... Um, yeah, so they have the witnesses. They were able to get fingerprints. You know, when they did, they told us that there was obviously alcohol in her system. There was no drugs in her system because they said there's, I mean, because there's a lot of theories about what could have happened. My dad was a prosecutor in another county where, where we grew up. He prosecuted drug and violent crime cases. And so that was a theory. Was it somebody prosecuted? Was it something involving drugs? Um you know, we had her drug of choice with alcohol. I mean, we had gotten into drugs when we were younger, but she definitely, um, to my knowledge, was not doing drugs, but definitely had a drinking problem. 
um, th- there was, you know, scenario she she liked that, that that there was stuff going on at the bar. Maybe that was something had to do with something going on at the bar. Um, I'm trying to think of what you know was it a, a random robbery? I mean, but it's just it just sounds was it a hit? Like a lot of people said, was it a hit? I mean, there's just so many different uh, scenarios that have that have come out over the years. Um, and, you know, like I said, so they had the fingerprints and they gave the car back to my parents really early on with the fingerprinting kit in the car. I mean, they've just been sloppy since the oh beginning of the police, the Baltimore County police. And I was not involved in the investigation for years because I was just so devastated. And I mean, I could barely function as it was, you know. Yeah, and, I mean, just um, you, you, you just lost your best friend and your twin sister. I mean, yeah. of course. Of course, you're yeah, not going yeah. to be able to function like. Yeah. And it, so my dad would be the one talking to the police. And, you know, and I just. And also, we, you just think that the police are doing their job and, and, you know, you're just kind of like waiting to hear what's going on, what they're finding out. And and then my father got really sick and um, he went back into it. So this sense is drinking really bad um, after Jody died and he, you know, we just all suffered and um, he ended up back in treatment and he found out that he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when he was having physical. So, you know, we spent a couple years battling with him, but you know, his cancer and the treatments and, um, and he, my dad died in 2007 and, um, you know, it was just another really, really horrible, hard time. And um, so I, you know, I really started to get involved. You know, my dad was, he was from the South. He grew up in Nashville. He was a gentleman. He never would have questioned the police or doubted them. Plus he worked with tons of police being a prosecutor. So he um, so when I started to get involved, I just, I, I would reach out. The same detective's been on the case for the whole time. And I would reach out to him and, and just try to get all the information I could, try to figure out what they've done, what they're doing. And, and, um, and it was just lots of frustration, um, that, you know, the detective was inappropriate with me, the, uh, the police were just very condescending and it, it was just from all the dealings with them. It's just, it's really been, uh, I mean, I, I feel like at times as difficult, I mean, I don't know how to say it. I just trying to grieve Jody's death and then having to deal with them. It's just, it's been at sometimes I have so much anger towards the police because I yeah. feel like I've done so much investigation over the years and I've found out things, people they said they interviewed that they hadn't, people that they said, people that they should have um, interviewed and they hadn't. Um, just, oh my gosh, like them lying to me and you know, it's just, it's unbelievable that, you know, I'd ask questions. I'd say, you know, they tell me they had a couple of suspects and I, you know, so I would just get all the information I could. And I remember asking the detective about, I mean, this is just one example about one of the suspects. And I, I was asking him a question about him and, and I said, so 
you know, did you talk to him? Did you interview him? And his response was, I can't recall if I talked to him. <laughs> and, just... you know, just things like that. And I'm like, what? You know, and, you know, finding somebody at the bar that she was sitting with that night that was never interviewed. And, I mean, it just goes on and on. It, so it's the... just, like, maddening. Um, if you don't mind me interjecting here, if you don't mind me interjecting yeah. here, because I'm a little, I'm a little incredulous here for a second. You mean that the the, the police actually lied to you and yeah. said that they did but, things that they didn't actually do? Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, and later on, I want to ask you: Was it was? It, I, maybe this is a question for later. I don't want to get you sidetracked, but just keep this in mind. I, I did. Were the police ever investigated by internal affairs? Was there any investigation into the police themselves? I mean, I reached out to them, and they're within the Baltimore Police Department. I mean, there's nobody. I've been to the state attorney. I've been to the, who's not a nice person. I've been to the governor's office. I've been to the county executive office. I've gone, I've, I've like gone everywhere, and, and nobody will help me. Okay. So... Before I interrupted you, you were you had said that the person that she was drinking with that night was not interviewed, even though they said that they did interview him. So go so go on, please. Um, so I was just saying the the frustration and and seeing you know just what they have done, what they haven't done, what they told me they've done. I mean, and, and what they're going to tell me they're going to do. I mean, there, there was things like the detective would tell me he was going to do something and it'd be like four years later and he hadn't done it. And it, it just, it, it's just so frustrating, you know? And, and, um, at one point they told me there was nothing else they could do on her case. And, um, that her case was sitting in a closet. This was years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, well, like for instance, okay, so I'll give you like another example. So the, when she called, when she called the, um, the girl, when she talked to her phone call, the, her roommate's boyfriend and the detective, I said, you know, you really need to look more into that. That's just odd. They said they ruled him out early on. And like, well, she had a two and a half minute conversation. He knew where she was. And for 20 years, I'm like, you've got, like, you've got to go back and talk to him. So they finally did last year on the 20 or however many years I've been telling them to do. So it was like last spring, they went back to talk to him and it turns out he had his friend with him that night. So they would say, oh, well, they ruled him out because they said he didn't drive, the guy that she spoke with. But they find out 23 years later that he had his friend with him, and they and he this guy knew where she was, and he was apparently a drug dealer in the restaurant. So, I mean, it just, there's so many different things like that that is just maddening. Um, do you see what I'm saying? No, I exactly see what you're saying here. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of... Because I, I have two sons that are very close, and I can't imagine something like that happening to them. And if something were to happen to my my sons, one of my sons, I think the other son would probably do what you have just done. And but you're basically doing all the work for the police department, right? And you're exactly. telling them you need to interview this person, 
and the, found other things. I mean, the, the main it, suspect, they would they would say there's, you know, they tell me there's this main guy um, that they, they're leaning towards and they would tell me about his ex-wife and this and that. And then I find out he's, because I, I find out he's got a brother because I started communicating with him. He's in prison. And, you know, it's like they didn't even know he had a brother. Oh, you I mean, mean you mean this? You mean that? Are yeah. you are you saying the suspect is in prison, or his brother, mm-hmm. the the brother of the suspect, is in prison? The suspect is okay. Okay. Um. So, what what did the brother tell you? Um. So. Um. I mean, he basically just said that he doesn't. Um. I mean, apparently the brother's been in prison too. But that he doesn't know anything. He's not, you know, he doesn't really talk to his brother because his brother's in prison. Um, you know what I mean? Like he just, he, he's not, he didn't tell me anything that, like he didn't say my brother killed your sister. You know, he didn't say anything like that. But um, it's just, it, I mean, it's just odd that the police didn't find out that he had a brother. Um, does that make sense? Like, well, there's a lot. It it doesn't make sense that they didn't do the research to figure this out. And I think that I think that maybe, I mean, it's 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 almost as if there's there's two crimes going on simultaneously. Mm-hmm. There's there's That's a good way to put it. There's there's the un, unfortunate tragic death of your sister mm-hmm. and then there's um the malpractice of the police can we call it malpractice right. yeah yeah um were there any police officers that stood out in your mind as somebody who, who actually tried to help and and actually attempted to do their job uh, no oh my wow no no, I, I mean, it just, I feel as if I'm the criminal, honestly. I mean, even I like, I met with the state's attorney and it, it's just, it's, it's like, they just want me to go away. And I mean, I even, so, so we, when they told me that our case was in the closet, that's when I met with, I had met this private investigator because I was like, I'm going to get a private investigator. He's like, well, we need to get her records. So that's when my when I filed the lawsuit, this was in 2016 to get her records under the Maryland public information act. And they, cause they wouldn't even show us the public records. Like we couldn't even see the original police report, which is public record. They won't even let us see photos, like anything like crime scene photos. They put a few out several years ago, the people magazine, they released some of the crime photos but they wouldn't even give them to my family and um they released them to people so, magazine but they wouldn't release them to you mm-hmm, holy mm-hmm. what's their explanation there i there's no explanation i mean they they nothing i mean that they said i can't that we can't have them they wouldn't even give us the auto i fought for the autopsy they wouldn't give us the autopsy report, which we were told, I kept trying to get her autopsy report, and they'd say um, it's it's inappropriate 
what is it? It's inappropriate and something else to release the autopsy report to my family. So we didn't see it for years and years and years until I did. I started doing all these billboards and I did a billboard to the state attorney in Baltimore. And I said, you know, it was, I don't know if you've seen any of my billboards, but it was to him to really, because they were saying he was holding off on the autopsy. Um, released my records and it had like a picture of Jody. And so finally, all of a sudden they released the autopsy. Like, cause we were like, if she had a severed spine, how was she able to drive? So they didn't release any pictures or anything. It was just a written report, but I still like, I don't trust anything. I'm like, why would they hold it for all these years? And then all of a sudden they release it. And like, so I feel like maybe they changed it or something. Like I just, I don't trust anything about them. Does that make sense? Like, I just... It, it makes sense that you don't trust them because they haven't earned yeah. your trust. Um, right. But the, now, with the... If they didn't release any of the files to you and they didn't release her autopsy, does that call into question this the story about how she passed away does does there's is there anything about the the story of her death seem contradictory to you does that it's does that question make any sense no what it, what, what i mean, mean what i mean is that well i mean obviously that there are eyewitnesses is right. and basically you you're able to piece together what happened through the eyewitnesses and the timeline but mm -hmm. the well they are they i mean they don't this is what i what i this is what was told to us early on about right six witnesses and yeah okay um it, so have you have you talked to all six witnesses because apparently it seems like the police haven't or couldn't or didn't interview all, all six witnesses. How did you get the information so, about the witnesses? Well, I've been telling them again for years, why don't you go back and talk to the witnesses? Maybe they've remembered something and, you know, they never would. And so I did this show on Oxygen. I, I don't know if I sent that one to you or not. With, it was called Relentless with Kate Snow. I, and, I, I actually uh, do was, have that link. really good. They did a yeah. great job on it. And after I did that show, I got a, a an email through my justice for Jody, and it was actually one of the witnesses. And he had seen the show, and he just he was one of the one one of the workers at the Boston Market, and he saw the suspect. He saw everything, and he told me he didn't trust the police. The the eyewitness at the at the Boston Market. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying. So I'm 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 trying to reconcile in my mind. Um, what is the excuse for the the police department for behaving in such a way or not I, behaving? Is that do you have any idea why they didn't bother? Well, to I mean, do if you listen to everybody around the world that reaches out to me or every interview I've done, they say they're hiding something, they're protecting somebody. They, you know, they've messed up. They're, I mean, there's just, there's just no, I mean, like I said, I've done stuff, interviews all over the world. I've had pe people reach out to me. I mean, I've done, you know, interview with Lester Holt, with Dr. Oz, with um, TBS Morning. I mean, I've done everything. And, and there's not one person that has said, I mean, Dr. Oz said on national television, this has been the most 
this is the hardest case we've ever had to try to get information for, ever had to deal with, with this Baltimore County. Um, you know, they called the show before I did the show to get information and they said, don't bother. You're not going to get anything. And the detective, that was the, the police department. The detective, um, didn't even call him back. So call the show back. So you, so you're on national television. You're on with Dr. Oz. A lot of times. So I would think that they would want to get in front of this and yeah, and say, this is, this is what we know. This is what we've done. And the only thing that I can, the only thing that I can think of, like everybody else you have spoken to about this is that obviously they're hiding something or they're covering up for somebody. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Okay. I have people that write me letters. I mean, I have people that reach out to me that I mean, that don't even know me. The, well, the obvious question would be: Has the Baltimore Police Department behaved in this way in any other cases? That, oh, lots. I mean, okay. if you just Google Baltimore, they're shady as you know. <laughs> I mean, I've never had one person call me, send me a message, or tell me that yeah, this seems okay this case i mean thousands of people i mean this has been going on for years i mean there's there's a lot going on in baltimore that is just incredibly shady so yeah so i did the lawsuit i mean my family's put in almost thirty thousand dollars with the lawsuit trying to get a record doing the billboards in baltimore i started my own tip line i've had people call me that worked in the baltimore police department giving me information well the obvious question that i have to ask is what did what did the people tell you within the baltimore police department um recently yeah recently recently i got a call about somebody that worked for the police department for 20 years and um had um actually saw some of the tips come in uh, and it was regarding information about the bar uh-huh. and some things that happened there and it was and it's actually people and things that I've been asking another thing I've been asking the detective to follow up on for years that he hasn't and so it's just it, it's it's so I'm sitting back here. I have so much information. I've gotten other calls, other information that's yeah. come in. And I am I got to the point, last where I said I started my tip line, but ultimately I need the police, but at least I know what's coming in, you know, over the years. Right. I, I didn't know what was coming in. And so, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible information that I'm stunned. And I'm like, here I am sitting here. They have her case hostage. I have information that comes in, and they're not doing anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Have you actually spoken to other family members of other victims with similar instances? And does this sort of seem to jive what they've told you, or are are you is how unique is this case and and this behavior from the police? 
so I mean, I don't know if you've heard of Sarah Turney. She's there's a, there's a few people around that um, around that are dealing with. I mean, I've met kind of both. I mean, I've met some people that are you know met online or just through you know the social media that are have had trouble with the police department and then yeah it seems to be a few quite a few um there's sometimes there's people that uh that the police department's working with them um i met there's a couple people in baltimore that are dealing with baltimore county and had similar issues with me as far as the treatment from the police um, one girl in particular, her son was murdered and they say it was, it was bold an accident, but it's even the autopsy, everything shows that it was a murder. Um, you know, that it wasn't an accident and, and the police won't do anything about it. I mean, so she's been fighting with them and the same detective state's attorney, that's one family. This is just in Baltimore. And then there's another girl whose brother was killed and he um, was apparently it might've been drug related and, and they were just treated very badly by the police. She would try to call in and give them information and, and they were very rude to her and her family. So, yeah, I mean, so th- there's several cases in Baltimore that I know about and across across the country that I've heard stories. So, yeah, it's very frustrating because you feel we're we're in this situation where we're there. They've got the, I say they have, in my situation, her Jody's case hostage. I mean, they tell me that her case is in a closet. There's nothing else they can do. And I'm finding out all this information and when I file a lawsuit, they say, oh, it's an open investigation. You can't have the records. You know, so my lawsuit went on for months and months and months and months. And it was horrible. It caused a terrible relationship with the police department. And, you know, that's not what I want. But, it, it's right. you know, I, I want them to do the work on Jody's case. I mean, I honestly feel like the Boy Scouts could have solved her case in the beginning. Yeah, because there was just a lot going on. I mean, they didn't even, they didn't even release the description of the car. Um, A lot of the information they didn't even release till 20 years later. Like, I mean, till I started fight, I mean, whatever, seven to have many years later, they didn't even, when I started like really pushing Jody's story out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. While I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you, I actually did what you asked me to do. I actually did a, a Google search on the the Baltimore police and oh. and I clicked the news can I just read a couple of headlines here and afterwards yeah. I want I want to get you I want to get your reaction to all of this okay um, from the Washington Post December 27th 2019 just a couple of weeks ago a, a story outlining police corruption from the Baltimore Sun corruption turnover violence the Baltimore Police Department um, Baltimore Police Department needs to root out uh, corruption. Um, yeah. Here's here's one from CNN. 790 criminal convictions set to be thrown out. 
due to corruption and incompetence. All, he, here's one from the, from um, 2018. In Baltimore, brazen officers took every chance to, to, to rob and steal. Here's an opinion piece from the New York Times. In Baltimore, police officers are the bad guys. Um, Baltimore police corruption brings stink to the system. <laughs> and one of the things, a, one of the things, an old article, the New York Times. All, all of these are from the past last year. Um, I'm find that one. I'll, I'll, I'll send you all the links. I'll, I'll actually, uh, for the show page, I'll, I'll put the, uh, the links up. What's the problem with the Baltimore police department? If you don't mind me well, asking. I mean, and then they, there was a whole thing where they were destroying the rape kit test. That was a whole other thing that was going on with the current prosecutor. They just, I mean, they're yeah. familiar with, they, yeah, they were destroying them. Destroying rape kits. Yeah. And he was behind that, apparently, the, the state's attorney. And, and, and from what I heard from some of the reporters here is that he, there was, uh, I guess there was some people that were going to come forward or something and apparently he or had people go to their houses to hush them up or something that was like from reporters that I heard the state's attorney um did you see the keepers google the keepers um could you just refresh my memory about the keepers um that was about it was in Baltimore it was about I, I, I think it was there was a couple of people that were murdered and it was all covered up. It had to do with like the Catholic church. And oh yes. The Netflix, involved. the yeah, Netflix. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. As a matter, as a matter, as a matter of fact, that's one of those TV shows or the series where I'm like, I should have become a cop. I should have, because I would have loved to have been able to have a part in solving these cases. Yeah. Um, I do remember the keepers and how I was shocked at the level of 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 incompetence. You know, it's that's one of the amazing things about doing these interviews is that pieces that don't seem to be connected somehow find their way to be brought together. What is it about the Baltimore Police Department? Because here's the keepers is a case. How far back does the keepers uh, the um? How far back does this case go with um, Kathy Sesnick? How November seventh, nineteen sixty nine, is? Yeah, I, was gonna it, say, I thought it was in the sixties. Yeah, nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, I mean it's 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 been going on, and so that's and so here I sit. You know, I mean, for years I've been just every part of me. <laughs> trying to do everything I can to get answers, to get her case solved. And it's, honestly, I feel I'm, I'm not any further than, I mean, nothing's changed since March 2nd, 1996. I mean, it's, it's because it's in the hands of them. And, you know, there's no transparency. There's, um, you know, how, how long can they claim that her case is an open investigation? I want to get back to the private investigator. How? So I didn't go forward with that because we were never able to get any records. That's the problem is, is he wanted to have the records um, to be able to 
work on her case, but they will give us nothing. Because um, you would think that that would be one of the first things that somebody would say to you. Say, oh, why don't you just get a private investigator? And then to hear you say... Yeah. That, that, but we have no, but like I said, I've been doing my own. I mean, I've gone out, like I said, over the years and been finding people and talking to people and putting myself in situations that I shouldn't. Like I told you, the, the, the person that I was talking to in prison and then going to find his brother and people from the bar, friends of people that were there, people that were in the bar. Like, I mean, so I've been putting myself in situations. Right that aren't good. I've reached out to people on social media um, that I believe could be involved and, and just done, you know, and it caused a lot of fighting with my husband and he's mm-hmm. very upset. He's like, you're a mother, you're a wife, you've got children, you're putting us all in danger. But it's, I get to the point where I get so what's the word um just driven yeah that i'm gonna figure out what's going on and it's 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 i just don't think about anything else but i'm gonna find out what happened and like i'm not a i don't i'm not afraid like i don't worry it's like i get into this mode where i'm i'm feeling invincible and nothing's going to happen to me or anybody. I'm just going to, I, I need to figure this out. And, but, um, you know, it, like I said, it's caused a lot of stress. He felt, you know, he yeah. you can't let the bullet that took her take you because he's seen me struggle a lot with my anxiety and depression. And there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of highs and lows I do with the interviews and everything I do. I get, really excited to be talking about it and, and to get her story out there. And then I think each time, all right, this is going to be it. Somebody's going to hear something. Somebody's going to call in and then nothing happens. And then the, the back and forth with the police. And it's just, it's, it's really, really hard. And I've had some people say to me, why are you doing this to yourself? It's not going to bring her back. And, but it's like, I can't, I can't not. I can't. It's like I can't stop, and it, it's just—it's really hard, and that's why I feel like I'm going crazy sometimes. I'm like, what? How, what do I do? I mean, I'm, I'm living. I feel like I'm living these like two lives. Like I'm trying to to find her killer, and then I'm trying to be this mom and this wife, and right. and and, I, and it's like I don't feel like I'm doing anything very effectively, and and I'm worried about how I am as a mother because a, a lot of times I'm not present and I'm thinking about her case or what I could be doing. Yeah. Um, doing something on her case. Well, um, but yeah, go ahead. Here's, here's, here's the thing. Two thi- Cause there's two things going on here in my mind right now. Cause I'm here in my office here at home and in the next room in the kitchen my kids are sort of like they're not being obnoxious but they are they're going at it there's a little horseplay going on (laughs) and um they they're so close that even though they're two grades apart they have lunch together every day and they have almost the same circle of friends these two are 
They're not twins, but they're inseparable. I was the stay-at-home dad because my wife had such a great job, and she put her foot down. The boys are going to have a stay-at-home parent, and it's going to be you, Eric. Um, Mm. And the thing, I know, I know in my gut that if something were to happen to another member of my family, if something were to happen to my wife or me, or if something was going to happen to one of my sons, the other son would do exactly what you were doing, especially with the circumstance that you've already described. It seems almost, it seems almost to me, and I don't mean to be flip or disrespectful. It seems, but it seems to me that you're doing everybody else's job. It seems to me that you're the only one who's left to do what your web page says you're doing justice for your sister um now you had said and i want to get this out before i forget you said did you say that you actually interviewed the suspect who was in prison and if so what was that like so i just started um i guess i should say person of interest <laughs> Um, it's just that the detective, I was like, let me, why don't you bring me in to talk to him? And he's like, well, why would he want to talk to you? This was several years ago. And I was like, well, so when I, I, well, in my, under my breath, I muttered something like, (laughs) I won't say, say now, but, um, no, we, we, we have the, ex- we, we have the explicit tag. You can say whatever you want. Okay. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I was like, cause he's very cocky. And, uh, so I just was like, watch me. Uh, he'll talk to me. So that's why I started writing to him and we just had, he would write me these long letters and just say, I don't, I, I told him who I was and, and I don't know if he, I, I kind of just didn't know if the police were, telling me that it was this guy just for me to go away because for years they'd be like yeah we think that it's this person and and I just didn't know and so I wanted to find out myself and I thought well I'm going to try to go visit him but I wasn't I haven't accomplished that yet because I in order to get into the prison to visit somebody you have to give the prisoner your address but I guess they could find that online anyway but my husband found out that I was communicating with him and got very upset. So I had to stop. I had opened like a PO box, but I have to get him my address. So if I go to the prison, then my name has to, my address has to match my license. And so he was very, very angry with me for doing this. So I had to cut it out, but that's where I found out he had a brother and I went and found the brother. And that's the brother that was saying he didn't know anything. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm not done with this whole scenario. I still would like to try to figure out how to get into prison, but I, I'm just trying to figure out a way around it. I tried to call the warden, talk to him, to explain the situation. Yeah. But his, whatever, his secretary or whatever wouldn't put him on the phone said that that was the only way that I could get in there was to give my address. Right. And on the one hand, on the one hand, I can see your husband's point, but I would also like to think that in, if 
the situation had was was turned and m- my wife was going through something like this i i don't mean to disparage your husband but i would be um doing everything that i could to help you is oh that's nice it we, doesn't happen that way here oh i'm sorry i mean it's yeah it's it's a lot of fights unfortunately and and he 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 gets very upset about what i'm doing and um i mean at some point he's supportive but then at some point he gets you know i mean he told me last spring that i needed to make a decision between jody's case and our family and if I did another interview, don't come home. So then I had to start being dishonest about my interviews that I was going on. Right. So uh, it's been it's been hard. Yeah. Does I'm just curious. Does he know that you're doing a podcast tonight? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, okay. Yeah. So we kind of like I, you know, we had to have a. I mean, we've been in counseling, and <laughs> I mean, among you know other issues. <laughs> we got this on top of it and um so it's i was like i'm not i'm not giving this up and um i've really tried to just i mean i was really doing a lot of stuff last spring and um and so i i i've do being more i guess here and and i guess being more of a I don't know how we said it. I wasn't being uh, the, a good mother and wife. And so I was, I'm trying to be better at that. And so, and, and, and it's, it's like a, it's a hard balance to try to do it all. And then I work, you know, full-time job. I've been working like 50 something hours a week. Um, so it's just trying to like juggle it all. And, um, yeah, it's hard. I mean, yeah. I mean, sometimes he's sometimes he's supportive, sometimes he's not. Right. And so, but I try not to do a lot. Like my mother lives close by; she's in a, a retirement community, and and sometimes I'll go to her house to do interviews or do things just because I don't want to have any issues about what I'm doing. Does that make sense? It, it really does, and, and it sort of makes me feel like I have um, a greater responsibility now to the specific episode because of everything that you've gone through, and you're juggling all of this. You have all of this going on, and then you're taking the time to talk to me. Oh, my gosh. I'm so grateful you reached out to me. But what the So the main part... This is this is where people like myself come in. I don't know what more I can do, but I still have to ask, what can listeners do to help you out? What what more can somebody in the it, the true crime community do? Because one of the things I found out immediately is when I started doing this podcast, I found out there's a family of people true crime aficionados who all they want to do is help and support each other. It's incredible how people, I mean, have reached everywhere all, all over the world to me. I mean, I got this letter from this girl in India who just, I mean, I was really at a low point, like I said, because I, I struggle with my own 
personal issues and, you know, my anxiety and, and things going on here and, um, you know, eating disorder. I mean, I got a lot of stuff going on <laughs> mm-hmm. and like, I, I, and then Dylan trying to just with everything I'm trying to do in Joey's case. And, um, yeah, I, I was just like, I hit a really low point and, and I, I woke up one morning and I got this email from this girl in India who had heard, you know, something that I had done and it just, it was like the most beautiful thing. And it just, it, it I, I feel like it like saved me. I mean, cause there's just times where I'm like, I just, I can't take anymore. There's just like so much. And, um, yeah, so as I'm saying, like, it's like really, I mean, like you reaching out to me, wanting to share her story that made my day. It's like, it's a lot of stuff like that. And, and, and people sharing her, sharing the story on social media. Cause I just feel like one day somebody's going to hear something, know something. Do you know what I mean? No, like, I know exactly I what you continuing mean. Continuing to get the word out there is huge. That's right. what I would ask. And, um, I, we did set up, um, you know, my family's done a lot of the bill. My mom and I have done a lot of the billboards. Um, it, it's basically my mom and I, so my, my two older sisters, my oldest sister lives overseas and she's been over there for years. And so we're, she's very supportive of me, but she lives across the world. But then my other sister, my middle sister, and so unfortunately she doesn't speak to my mom and I. So it's it's basically my mom and I that have been like doing all this. Um, And so, um, but we, 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 we had, um, I actually had somebody that set up a GoFundMe for my billboard. So if anybody wanted to donate for that, that would be fantastic because I'm working on doing another billboard and that's really helped um, continue to get her story out there too. So those are like the two big things that, um, and I don't like, I hate to like, I don't even share like the GoFundMe. Yeah. I, like other people share it. Cause I hate, like I don't, I'm not one to ask anybody for anything. Um, but like I said, it was set up and, um, and it's, they were eight so far. Like, but I've done like, God, so many billboards, but oh, they this last go that the go for me that they they've been able, they've done three of them, which has been huge. So um, just so grateful. I mean, that's the, the people that I've reached out to help. It's, it's been amazing. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, Everywhere, it's it, it, it's really like I mean when when people just send me a message or do something. I mean, it just, it really just means a lot because, you know, or they say, um, you know, you're doing great, keep going. And, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it just, because sometimes I feel, and I'm very open on my social media about my life and what's going on. And cause I, I want to be, I want to share. I mean, I, I, I hope that I can help others too. And, um, what it's like going through this, you know, on me, on the family. So I, I talk a lot about what's going on. And so, I, I mean, I've been criticized for that too, um, about just being open about, I don't know if you see all of my stuff on social media. Oh, I do. I do. I do. I'm pretty open and honest. I'm pretty open and honest. You are. Everything. You are. You are. But here's the thing. Your passion comes through. You're obviously somebody who has a life's work that you're trying to accomplish. And I mean, I think I think that it's pretty amazing what you've done so far. 
Um, but Thank one of the things, well, could you just tell us really quickly about um, your website and how can we get in touch with you? So and this is another, it's a friend of mine that a couple people that have set up this, this, cause I don't know how to do anything on the computer. It's justiceforjody.com And that has a, a lot of information about her case. And um, if somebody has, uh, you know, a tip or, you know, different interviews I've done and just a lot about what happened that night and the people can share that. Um, the, you know, the GoFundMe is, um, it's under Jody Lacornu. Um, and they can, let's see, Jody, I think it's just Jody Lacornu, L-E-C-O-R-N-U. Um, and, and and also the Oxygen, the Kate Snow show, if people, they download the Oxygen app, that's the Relentless with Kate Snow. That's a really good, tells a lot about the case and everything. It's an hour long, but they did, they really did a good job with that. Um, but yeah, Jody, the Jody LaCornu GoFundMe, and that's for the, the billboards. And um I mean, if they want to follow, you know, I have a, I have a Facebook page and, and, and I'm not really good, um, always about, I'm pretty good about on Twitter, like putting everything out there, um, that, and I don't know, what do you call that? Your Twitter handle? Twitter. uh, Yep. Yep. The Twitter handle. Yep. Underscore Jenny. So it's, it's carrier with an I. And then my Facebook, is, so it's at, I'm sorry, Careery underscore Jenny. And I had a reporter get me on Twitter a while back because I was like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And then I am on Instagram, but I don't really do much on there because I, I don't know. <laughs> That's a lot to follow up with all this stuff. But I feel like sometimes I hate social media. I'm like, ah, but um, I just like, I'll be like, I'm just going to give up on all this. But I feel like I don't want to, um, like, it's my way of sharing her story. You know, like my Facebook page is um, Jennifer. It's my maiden name, Lacornu Carreri, L-E-C-O-R-N-U Carreri, C-A-R-R-I-E-R-I. And then I have the Justice for Jody page attached, another one attached yep. to my Facebook page. So I put stuff on there, too. So, yep. yeah, I mean, I think that's like what helps so much is having people share her information. One last question I want to ask you, or maybe one of the last two questions I want to ask you, what can citizens of Maryland and citizens of Baltimore do about the Baltimore police department? What do you think needs to get fixed and how can we get that done? That's a good question. Hmm. I mean, there's that, they need a lot of help. I mean, I think gosh, maybe writing letters, putting stuff out there, uh, maybe writing letters to the newspaper. I mean, calling the police department. I don't I it's, it's I mean, are you saying specifically for her case or just like in general? I mean, it's 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 such a mess. Well, I think um I, I think that for myself, because I initially, I thought this was only about your sister. Right. I thought this is only about your sister's murder. 
talking to you for about an hour has really sort of opened my eyes to see these the large problem with the Baltimore Police Department. I did like a 30-second search during our conversation. And there is, you do just do a search for the Baltimore Police and all of these all of these links came up about the corruption and the incompetence and the malpractice and even the malfeasance in the Baltimore Police Department. And mm-hmm. it makes me think that there's, some, there's something wrong with the justice system in your area. And I'm, and I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of concerned. One of the things that I talk about often is the, the collapse and the decay of our society because of our, mm-hmm. we lost trust with our institutions. Mm-hmm. We've lost trust in the political system. We've lost trust in, in our government. Um, we've lost trust in the, the federal government, the state government, and the city government. And even in small towns here in New Hampshire, there are things that there's little hints of corruption. And I'm, and I'm wondering at what point, what would it take for people to rise up and not be vigilantes, as it were, but do what you did and take matters into your own hands and do your own investigation and sort of like sort of take back our society before it's too mm-hmm. late. Um, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that's what you have to do. I mean, I feel her case would still be sitting in the closet if 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 I hadn't been doing what I'm doing and you know I, I I I'm not letting them I mean I don't expect her case to get extra special attention which people would say oh because your dad was a prosecutor you know my grandfather was in the FBI like did did she get, did your case were they did they give you did they really do a, like do extra special whatever on it mm-hmm. I'm like no like if anything they it was worse it was like the opposite you know but it, and it's not like i said that that i expect that but yeah. at least do the work that should be done right and and it's and that's what's so maddening is if if i hadn't seen all these things over the years and just and then i'm like what have i not seen what else have they missed right, right? like I, I truly feel like her case should have been solved I so think, I mean, I, I unfortunately you it's you have to at least why well, it seems like in a lot of families that you have to keep on them and and keep keep pressure on them and um, you know just try to keep. I think the huge thing is keeping the that's my favorite quote from the movie Three Billboards. The more you keep the case in the public eye, the better chance you are you have getting it solved. I mean, that's and that's been my goal is just yeah. to keep 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 our story out there. And it's sad. I mean, I, I feel like I'm not like I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm not even living. I, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like I, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, this sounds crazy, but I was at work today and this lady was me about her husband and talking about I don't know he does something with bees or like it's like his mm-hmm. hobby or something and I was like 
I just looked at her and I was like, I don't have any hobbies. I don't even know what I like. I don't even know. I don't even, no, that's like, serious, though. I don't that's... even know anything about me. Like, it's just like I'm just on this, like, I, I don't, like, I'm... I'm just going, 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 and just not feeling or, or my life just um, is just constantly moving, and and it's it's like I'm restless, and and I'm not settled, and I and I feel like I'm not going to be settled till I figure out what happened. Gosh, I don't know if that's making any sense. No, it could, because here's here's the thing. Since I decided to do this. And, and use my podcast to help people. I'm listening to your story, and I'm feeling very convicted right now to do more. And listening to your, you're, you're able to do all of this that you've done, everything that you've described, everything you've told us in the past hour. And I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, I need to step up my game. Because if you're able to do all that you're doing, and still have the time to do a podcast. Imagine what people like myself could do if we worked half wow. as hard as you are. You are, wow. I'm feeling inspira- inspired by you oh, and your story that right means now. means a lot to me. So, wow. So, Thank I you. want, so whenever, whenever you're feeling like, if you're feeling down and you feel like you're not doing you. enough, call it, <laughs> call. Well, that's the other thing. I want you to, I want you to call me on occasion and let me know what's going on. Um, I, I want you to know that you always have an open mic here. and um, But not just your case. If there's another case that you want to talk to, if you want to be, if you want to be an advocate for victims and survivors in your region and talk about other cases, because I'm thinking as I'm sitting here, piecing everything that you have said to me so far it seems like they have an idea who did it it's either a conspiracy or a conspiracy of incompetence and that if they solve your sister's case that might bring all the other pieces together and solve so many other cases from that time period does that make any sense yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And and keep in touch and let me know what's going on. Oh, I definitely will. I definitely will. Mm. Oh, I'm just, I really enjoy talking to you. And you'll have to um, tell me, I don't know how this works. If you do put it out, like, I guess it takes a while or. Um, after I get done recording tonight, I, I will um, probably berate my kids for being too loud in the background. No, and I then, didn't even hear. And then and then and then make it up to them by spoiling them with ice cream or something like that. I know. And then that's what I do. And um, so and I will let you know when this is up. And uh, you, you'll this episode um, will also have its own show page. And if you want to update the show page, send us updates on what's going on. That would be terrific. And y- yeah. you have my contact information. Jam me a message and let me yeah. know. And this is also that would be great. And this is also for my listeners in the Baltimore area. Um, I want you guys, I'm going to send, I'm going to post the link. I want you to get in touch with Jenny 
If you have any idea what's going on with the case, if you were in the area and you may have seen something, specifically March 1996, yeah, 1996, 24 years, 24 years. If by any chance, um, get in touch with Jenny through, uh, through Twitter, get into, or get in touch with me and let's do what we can to help solve this case once and for all. Let's try and catch the catch whoever did this and see if we can solve some other cases and maybe get the ball moving and, and, and turn Baltimore upside down and right side up as it were. Um, now, That's right. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So I, again, I want to thank you so much, Jenny. And oh, thank you. And I will be in touch and keep you posted. And I really, I really appreciate you doing this. Just as a reminder for my listeners, the website where you can reach Jenny is justiceforjody.com. That's the word justice, the number four, and the name Jody, all one word, dot com. The tips hotline is 410-200-6284. If you have any information, please, by all means, get in touch with Jenny. Thank you. This has been True Crime One-on-One from the Fedora Chronicles. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles and episodes of True Crime One-on-One by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for the Fedora Chronicles on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so you can keep up with what we'll be talking about on the next episode. Facebook and Twitter and our email address, FedoraChronicle at Google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air on a future episode. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash FedoraChronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing. For $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Exactly 12.5% of every sale goes to keeping this show and everything else on the Fedora Chronicles on the air or online as it were. The theme song for this show is Hopeful Cello by Cosmo Lawson from Premium Beat, which provided the license for the song. The Fedora Chronicles podcasts, including True Crime 101, is edited and produced by me, Eric Renderking Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019-2020. All rights reserved.